generation We're turning over every stone Hoping to find salvation In a world that's left us cold Can we get back to the altar Back to the arms of our first love There's only one way to the Father And he's calling out to us Captive, it looks like freedom To the orphan, it feels like home To the skeptic, it might sound crazy To believe in a God who loves In a world where our hearts are breaking And we're lost in the mess we made Like a blinded light in the dead of night It's the gospel the gospel that makes a way It's the gospel that makes a way It's the cure for our condition It's the good news for us all It's greater than religion It's the power of the cross Can we get back to the altar? Back to the arms of our first love There's only one way to the Father And He's calling out to us To the captive it looks like freedom To the orphan it feels like home To the skeptic it might sound crazy To believe in a God who loves In a world where our hearts are breaking And we're lost in the mess we made Like a blinded light It's the gospel that makes a way The amazing news of the gospel is not that we can receive Jesus into our lives, but that he's already received us into his. In my own life, it means forgiveness when I know I deserve the fall. It called me out of my darkness and carried me to the cross. In a moment, my eyes were open. In that moment, my heart was changed. Like a blinded light in the dead of night, it's the gospel. Oh, to the captive, it looks like freedom. To the orphan, it feels like home. To the skeptic, it might sound crazy. To believe in a God who loves. And in a world where our hearts are breaking. And we're lost in the mess we've made. Like a blinded light in the dead of night. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. The gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel. The gospel that makes a way.
I've got to get a hold of something so I won't be scared and run away. <laughs> Trying to do my best for you. I'll just, just a second. Remember what Memorial Day is about. Some people don't know. If you don't know, ask. It's something that's really sacred to this country.
Good morning. Are you guys ready to worship today? Me too. Let's sing this song. We waited for this day. We are gathered in your name. Calling out to you. Your glory like a fire. Awakening desire will burn our hearts with There's got to be more than going back and forth. 
my strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He
homecoming today it is memorial day and we want to um, thank those people who gave their lives um, in service of this country i think sometimes we get memorial day and veterans day confused veterans day is about all people who have served memorial day is specifically about those who gave the ultimate sacrifice of their lives and we're, we have a table in remembrance today and i want to explain to you what this is about this is called the missing man table this table is set for one It's small, symbolizing the frailty of one isolated prisoner. The large, um, I apologize. The table is round to represent everlasting concern on the part of survivors for their missing loved ones. The tablecloth is white, symbolic of the purity of their intentions to respond to their country's call to arms. A single red rose in a vase signifies the blood that many have shed in sacrifice to ensure the freedom of our beloved United States of America. This rose also reminds us of the family and friends of our missing comrades who keep the faith while waiting their return. The red ribbon represents the love of our country, which inspired them to answer the nation's call. A slice of lemon on the bread plate represents the bitter fate of the missing. Salt sprinkled on the bread plate is symbolic of the countless volunteers of families as they wait. The inverted glass represents the fact that the missing and fallen cannot partake. The Bible represents the strength gained through faith to sustain those lost from our country, founded as one nation under God. And the lit candle is reminiscent of the light of hope which lives in our hearts to illuminate their way home, away from their captors, and to the open arms of a grateful nation. And the empty chair represents the missing and falling that are not present. As you guys celebrate tomorrow with your cookouts and and having a day off, please say a prayer for those families of those who have lost someone who has given the ultimate sacrifice of their lives for this country. Thank you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather together as your people to worship you freely in this nation in which we live. Father, we can do that because there's been men and women who were willing to go when called. Father, there's been those that have stood when others ran. Those that gave the ultimate sacrifice in defense of our nation so that we can be here today free and worship you. So, Father, help us that we'd not forget that sacrifice that's been made. And that, Lord, we would, while we're having our good time and 
spending time with our family, we would remember and be grateful for all of those who gave it all. But God, in doing so, help us not forget that great soldier of the cross who in the face of adversity, when everyone stood against him, marched up that hill towards his destiny, which was death. And he did it because he loved us, was obedient to the Father. God, we're so grateful for that today. And we gather in his name, the only name given under heaven whereby man woman, boy, or girl can be saved. The name that's above every name. The name of our blood-stained Redeemer that paid it all, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, as we continue in this worship service, help us to remember that this is your time. God, may our eyes be open, our ears attuned, that, Father, we might truly worship you in spirit and in truth. And while we thank you for those that have sacrificed, God help us that we'd be grateful for that Beulah land. Look forward to it because this life is not all there is. We thank you, Father, for the years of this church being up here on this hill, a light and a witness to the glory of God. Father, we ask that you'd strengthen that you would bless and that you would continue to use this people, the church, the people that make up your bride. And help us to be bold to continually share the gospel because it's the gospel that makes a way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you once again for being with us on homecoming. I'm not going to take up a bunch of time. Just a couple of quick announcements. Uh, Pastor Stephen wanted me to mention that the Sunday school material, though it's not yet been delivered, it's here. It'll be in your classrooms uh, immediately after the service or in the office if you want to pick it up. Uh, So the Sunday school material uh, is here. We want to uh, just welcome everybody once again. If you're here today and you're visiting with us, we want you to know that it's an honor and a privilege to have you with us today. Just make yourself at home. Worship with us here at Zion Baptist Church. My prayer is that you find this to be the most welcoming people in all the world. And I believe it is. Just a bunch of good people want to try to love Jesus and love each other. We don't always get it right, uh, but through the grace of God, He's made us flawless to get it done. And I'm so thankful uh, for that. So just make yourself at home. We want you uh, to do something today if you're here and you're our uh, guest, you're visiting with us. We've got a card that was in your bulletin. We want a record of your visit. We ask that you fill that out, put your information on there. We do that not so we can bother you, but so we can send you some information about our church, and we'll have a record of your visit. Now, and I'll say this, and I promise I'll be done. I promise. If you're here today, and you don't have a church home, I think God sent you here today for a reason. I've said this, and I'll continue to say it. It's not required of you to go to church to be a Christian. But if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit working in you 
will require you to go to church and gather with other believers. Brother Ralph was uh, telling the scripture that he was going to speak on this morning. And it was the passage of scripture that was preached that day 24 years ago now when God saved me. Sometimes he just sends a reminder by that I'm still in the saving business, Keith. Thank you, preacher. As he opens up God's word this morning, my prayer, church, is that you open up your hearts because that same message can save anybody. If you're here today and you've never been saved by grace, please don't leave this place until you've received that gift of eternal life that God brought you here today to receive. It's not an accident. You're here today. Let's stand up. I'm going to do something real quick. Just love on each other for a minute. I want you to do that. We're not going to come to the altar today, uh, but what I'm going to do is after you stand up, love on each other a little bit, I'm going to ask my brother, Paul White, if he'll just make his way down here to the front. Boy, we got a bunch of real preachers in here this morning. Y'all run me off. You come on down, Paul. Y'all stand up and love on each other. Let's do that right now.
as our hearts moves into a time of prayer, it just does my heart good to see the family of God fellowshipping with each other, loving on each other, and just having a good time together. If we're here today in Christians, we're going to spend eternity together. We ought to be in good practice. The Bible says how good it is when God's people dwell together in unity. Wow. Seeing that take place here at Zion Baptist Church. And Jesus said, by this will all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love, one for another. So just keep on loving each other, Zion Baptist Church. We've got Paul White here with us this morning. Uh, he's going to be leading us in prayer. We've got our prayer list there. Just a couple of quick things to mention. Uh, James Aulis, that's uh, Claude and Jeanette's son. He's got some uh, tests he's going to have to have in the days ahead. ask you to remember him. Paige Parker, she's back in the hospital this morning. ask you to pray for her. All of those in our church that are fighting cancer today, just ask you to pray for them. Uh, the Ronnie Yancey family who passed away. Renee Taylor is going to be going back this week for that gamma treatment ask you to pray for her, and then most of all, let's pray for those here today that may not know the Lord Jesus as Savior, that the Holy Spirit of God would convict them, draw them to a place of repentance, and they'd receive Christ by faith before this day's over. Brother Paul, you come on and lead us in prayer. Before we pray, I would like to make uh, a few brief comments. 36 years ago, January the 17th, my wife and I came to Zion Baptist Church before this sanctuary was built. My wife asked me if I would come with her on that particular Sunday morning. She had been saved as a child, but she had rededicated her life as an adult. She and my children had been attending this church. She said, Paul, would you come with me? I'm going to be baptized and I'll become a member of Zion Baptist Church. My first thought was because I was running from the Lord, no, I'm not going. And through that week, the Holy Spirit continued to deal with my heart. That Sunday morning, January the 17th, happened to be my birthday. My wife was being baptized. So I said, yes, I will. I'll go to church with you today. But I don't know if I'll go back. I had been saved as a boy. But as a man, I did what Paul White wanted to do, not what God wanted me to do. That Sunday morning, my pastor, Dr. Ralph May, baptized. I sat and watched my wife tears came into my eyes and I knew that I had to make a decision. From January the 17th until May that year, I never missed a service, Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night. During the revival, Dr. Ralph May was preaching on a Monday night. In the sanctuary over there, the seventh pew back to my left as you look down the aisle. I sat with my hands gripped on that pew, refusing to move. 
the last verse of the invitation was being sung. I couldn't stand there any longer. God the Holy Spirit drew me from that pew. Thank you, Ralph. You have been my pastor, my mentor, and my friend, and I love you. As the years went by, the church saw fit to ordain me as a deacon, and the Lord, for some reason, called me to preach. Thirty-four years I've been trying to be obedient to the Lord to preach His gospel. I thank the Lord for this church, for the people who were here when my wife and I were members and attending this church. I thank you for your prayers. I thank you for your support. I thank you for your faith to the Lord Jesus Christ all the new members and new folks I know God has tremendous blessings for you he's blessed you abundantly already and I thank your pastor thank you for the invitation to, to pray this morning not preach so let's join our hearts together in prayer Father we humbly bow before you this morning we acknowledge that you are sovereign eternal, holy, righteous God. There are not enough superlatives or adjectives to describe you. No man can adequately state who you are. But because of your grace and love and mercy, we know you through your precious Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for that blood that was shed on Calvary's cross that all who would come to you, Jesus, can be cleansed of all their sins and all their unrighteousness. And should there be one in this place today that's lost, that thinks that they cannot be saved because they've sinned too much, I want to tell you, there's no sin too great that it cannot be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I pray and thank you for this church for the work that they do, for the service that they perform for you. Lord, we're not worthy except in Jesus Christ. But we know that there is a day coming when we will see you face to face. Sometimes I think about that precious moment, Lord. You said that there would be crowns for those who have served you and whom you've called into glory. But God, what I look forward to is taken my crown, cast it at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ to exalt you, Lord Jesus, to honor you, to glorify you for saving a wretched soul like me. So, Lord, I pray now your blessings upon the remainder of this service, the fellowship time that will follow. I know you have already placed in Brother Ralph's heart the message that he will bring to us today, and I pray, Holy Spirit, help me that my heart would be open and receptive. Receive it with thanksgiving and praise. 
And I give you all the glory, God, for what you've already done and what you will do. I praise you in Jesus' name and for his sake I pray. Good morning. I understand through the years we've had lots of music in this church and lots of families that have made music. And the Alice's make music. And we've got an Alice sitting at our organ bench this morning, Tracy Hicks, who is the daughter of uh, Charlie and O.C. Alice. Ha, I got that right. And <laughs> she used to be uh, the uh, choir director here when she was younger. She started out here playing before she ever got out of high school and singing. And now she plays and sings down in El Bethel. And she was so kind to come and help us this morning. So, Tracy, if you'll give us an intro, we're going to sing Victory in Jesus. Let us stand. Yeah. 
blessing it is to be in the house of God today. Uh, but the biggest blessing that we could ever have is receiving faith, or having that faith and receiving the Lord Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Amen. The second thing, the second greatest blessing, is to be obedient to what He's told us to do. This time of giving and tithing and offering will just challenge us to be obedient. Be obedient in our giving, to be obedient as the Word is given, and then to be obedient as we go out from this place and we share God's love and take the gospel to the four corners of the earth. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today, God, that you're on the throne. And Lord, we thank you for the wonderful uh, service that we've already had. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for being present in this place. And God, today I pray that our hearts would be bowed low, that God, we would be obedient, that we would submit ourselves today uh, to your calling, to your will, and to the work that you have called for us to do. God, I pray uh, for Pastor Ralph, Lord God, as he comes and brings the word, that God, you would move through him, and that God, we would be ready, willing to respond and to take that call forward uh, to our communities, to our neighborhoods. Thank you, God, for the opportunity. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me just say, I'm so thankful to be here today. Um, homecoming, it's been, a, I guess, Ralph, the last time, your last Sunday was the last Sunday that I was here on Sunday morning, and it's a blessed place to be home. Uh, so this song that I'm going to sing here is called Mercy Tree, and it just talks about what Jesus did for us on the cross, who he was, what he did, what he sacrificed, and aren't you glad that he did? Heaven's crown. 
I just want to say how much I love Preacher Man Sandra, how much you guys mean to me and my family. They dedicated all three of my babies, and you can see they're still very active and, and love the Lord. And I just thank you. Thank you, and I thank my God for saving me many years ago. That paid my way, death its price. When it flowed down from the cross, my sins were gone, my sins forgot. There is a grave that tried to hide. 
this precious blood that gave me life. the blind that heals the sick the lonely it finds it has the power to free the bound as chains they fall upon the ground so pour it out to clean It's love.
to hide this precious blood that gave me life. But in three days, he breathed again and rose to stand in my speaker this morning, of course, needs no introduction here. Uh, so many of you here today are, uh, are here because Dr. Ralph May answered the call to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Been a friend to me, friend to this community, a friend to Zion Baptist Church. And God's going to use him here today. Of that I have no doubt. So, Dr. Ralph May, it is an honor and a privilege to have you with us today. I don't even need to tell you this. You just open it up and bring her, brother. And you do what the Lord lays on your heart. Let's honor the Lord and honor this dear man of God who gave so many years of his life in service to the people and the Lord in Zion Baptist Church. Well, I'm glad to see you still treating your guests unfairly. You drain them of everything in them and then expect them to speak. <laughs> I am so thrilled and my soul is so happy that I come back and see you're alive and well. I'll be a little bit slower than I used to be, but more distinct, I hope. I know some of you come to see if the old preacher still had it. I don't know if I do or not. I can't wait to see what I'm going to say myself. <laughs> I do want to take two minutes personal time because it's something special to me. Many of you came today because I'm here and I deeply appreciate your loyalty and your faith. 
but there's some folks very special to me here today. I want to start right over here with a lady in white who has been the wind beneath my wings for 56 years. Let me quickly do the Travis and Cherie, if you'll stand. Leslie and Randy. This is this is our son and daughter and their husband and wife. And uh, John, Austin, Cassidy. Granddaughters. Son, grandson-in-law with four grand, great-grandsons. They think they're ours, but they're theirs, but they're really ours. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Sandra's brothers, Sonny and Clifton, and Shirley, Clifton's wife, and this handsome young fellow and his bride sitting in the, beside Sandra is my nephew and his wife. Now, I need to introduce you to two that we are brothers and sisters. We, ne- we don't share neither father nor mother. But they got up at 3 o'clock in the morning yesterday and caught a plane to be here. Lori and Marcy, thank you. <laughs> All right. How many of you have never heard this old boy before? Let's see your hand. Well, there's not as many of you virgins. I thought you were. If you have your scripture this morning, we're going to be looking at two passages, Luke the 15th chapter and the little letter of 1 John the 5th chapter. Well, you're finding your way there. I want to say to you that, as Brother Keith has already mentioned, there's not a person in this building today who's here by accident, but everybody here is here because God willed for you to be here. And I have an urgency in my soul this morning that is dual. The first part of that urgency is my age. I'm not sure how many years I'll get to do this again. The other urgency is this this assembly, as it sits this this moment, will never be this way again. And so I have to do my utmost as God gives me strength and understanding to share with you the hope that is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to preface the reading of John chapter 5 with something out of the first chapter so that we set the sense of what this book is about. First, or Second Peter tells us that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and men of old are wrote as they were led by the Holy Spirit. So the author of the book, the writer, the one who generated all of it is God himself. 39 men penned the words, but God is the author. And in the opening stanza of this letter, he has a term to which he addresses you and I as his church that is very endearing and makes this letter personal, individually sent to every one of us from the hand of God. Here's the term. My little children, I write unto you. I want to say to you, if you're a new convert especially, or if you've walked with the Lord many years, this little book of five chapters You need to study it and read it and study it and read it and study it until it's part of your everyday makeup 
Because 23 times in five chapters, he said, I've written this to you that you may know who you are, whose you are, and what you are. So, today, if you will look with me in the last chapter, in the twelfth verse, He that hath the Son hath life. How do you have a son that's not born in natural order in the human family? Well, let me suggest a way. I have a wife. We weren't born to the same parents. She's not my offspring. She's my helpmate, my partner. How are we connected? How do I have her? I have her buried deep in here. And if you have the son, that's where he's going to be. In the mind, in the spirit, in the soul. Not this heart muscle that pumps the blood, but this one up here that makes all the decisions, carries all the thoughts, all the emotions. All the emotions. It's that place where we have to have the son. Now, we really think we have him, but he has us. Okay. What son? The son of God, the next line says. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Now, are we talking which life are we talking about? We know what life is. We are born to our parents, grow through our infancy, early years, adult years, grow old, and die. Unless the Lord Jesus comes, something's going to claim every one of us in this building. A hundred years from now, everybody present will be gone from the face of this earth if Jesus doesn't come. Unless there are miracles that happen everywhere. Now there are people sometimes that exceed 100, but that's very rare. So I want to suggest to you today that this is your time. Your time before the Lord and your time to have an opportunity to choose life or death. And you'll make that decision today before you leave here. Willingly or unwilling, you will make that decision. So let's go back now to Luke, the 16th chapter, and let me show you the difference in life and death. I haven't changed any. I like word studies and commentaries and so on, but if you really want to know what the truth is, let the Bible interpret the Bible. There's a word for that. It's called hermeneutics. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a big name that come out of university somewhere, but what it really means is let one part of the Bible interpret the other part of the Bible, and you'll know the truth. So the hermeneutics of this is, Jesus said there was a beggar named Lazarus. Now some people said that's a parable. I submit to you that parables don't have people with proper names. Jesus said there was a man called Lazarus who was a beggar laid at the rich man's gate full of sores. The dogs came and licked his sores as he begged for the crumbs from the rich man's table. That's a real person. The inference is that this man had nothing of this world's goods, but he had it, the Lord in his heart. Let me, let me set this, this scene for you. There's a wealthy estate. Apparently it's a gated community, at least of one residence. And as the rich man goes in and out every day, there's this poor old ragged beggar laying at his gate. He has sores on his body, and the mongrel dogs that roam the streets 
come by and lick his sores. The only comfort he has in this present world. And his only substance is that that is cast off in the rich man's table. You and I have to learn something from history here to know what the crumbs from the rich man's table are. They ate with their fingers in those days. They didn't have utensils like we do. And so they took bread that was too old to be served and eaten. And it had the little buns like about that size with a hard crust on them. And when the meal was finished, they took that stale bread and broke it open. And that was the napkin that wiped their fingers and their face. And the scraps of food and the juices from what they had eaten was in that bread. And that's what this beggar begged for every day. He had to compete with the dogs for the food. And this man had everything. The Bible says he had fared sumptuously every day. He lived in the lap of luxury without care or even glancing the way of the poor beggar laying at his gate. The difference in dying we're about to discover when it says in this, And Lazarus the beggar died and was carried into Abraham's bosom. And there he's comforted by the angels. This poor old beggar who didn't have anything in this world suddenly found himself in the paradise of God. The dogs are no longer licking his wounds. <laughs> but the angels have cradled him in their arms and comforted him like a little nurse child. And all those years of suffering have been wiped away by the joy of the present existence that I'm in the hands of a God that loved me and sustained me and brought me home. That's life. That's life. Follow the narrative, if you will. And it said, And the rich man also died, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. And here's what he saw, folks. This, let me suggest to you, all that the Bible describes about the horror of hell, the Lord, burning lake of fire, and the Fires never quench them. We never can get our tongue cooled or any of those things if we're in that place. That's not the real hell. Listen to the rich man. Here's the real hell. And he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and saw Lazarus afar off in Abraham's bosom being comforted by the angels. And if you go to hell, you're going to be there forever looking up at those of us who made it home, knowing you could have been there if you hadn't made the stupid decision to deny life and accept death. So the urgency I have second before you this morning is not only the assembly of all of those who are here who will never be exactly like this again, is that there is this matter that I put before you this morning of life or death. I may never get an opportunity again to speak to a congregation anywhere, but I know I'll never get to speak to this one like it is again. And I don't know what you think brought you here today, but I know it was the Holy Spirit. Whether it's my invitation, someone else's invitation, or the Spirit of God just implored you, but you're here because He brought you here. He brought you here to hear this message. Brief though it is, I promised your pastor, be no more than 30 minutes, I'm going to let you eat about on time. And I'm not too worried about that. He don't take me all day to tell you one truth. And the truth is, you're either going to live or you're going to die. And the choice is yours. In the last stages of his ministry and his life, in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses gave his last message. 
And when he finished that message, he was about to turn the reins over to Joshua to be the leader of the nation of Israel and walk to his own funeral, by the way. And you ever never find his grave because he shows up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He walked away with God, I think, like Enoch. But at any rate, when he finished the address, this was his statement, and it's mine to you this morning. I set before you life and death. Choose life. Let me illustrate this with an old story. You and I heard this at a, at a promise keepers meeting many years ago. But it so draws the net. During the Great War, a very wealthy industrialist, probably one of the richest men on earth, had one son of 21 years old who was the very apple of his eye. His wife was deceased. He was a lover of great art, the, the classics. Michelangelo, Monet, and all of the great painters. And he, out of his wealth, was able to buy those precious pieces of art. The son had been given a gift. He could spot pure art, the real thing, over a counterfeit at a glance. And so his father turned the family fortune over to him to make the purchases. As fate would have it, he was drafted into service, finished his training, went off to the battlefield. In a couple of months, the industrialist got the letter that no family wanted to get, that his son was missing in action, presumed dead. He dismissed all of his servants except a maid cook, became a recluse, never left the mansion, sat and mourned day and night. One day when his maid servant had gone to town to resupply, there was someone and kept knocking on the door, knocking on the door, wouldn't go away. And so out of anger, he jerked the door open. And there stood a young man in a tattered uniform with a brown package under his arm. And he said, Sir, you do not know me, but I'm the man your son died to save. The industrialists, with great joy, welcomed him in. And they went in and sat down in the parlor over the fireplace. And he shared with them how he and his son in the foxhole had shared their love for art and that death had separated them. And he said, I'm not much of a painter, but in those moments when we had time, I painted this portrait of your son, and I thought you might like to have it. And as he unwrapped it and looked at it, he said, oh, you have captured his likeness to perfection. He took down the most priceless piece of art he had over the mantel and hung the son's portrait there, and there it hung until he died. Dying without heirs, the art world waited with bated breath to when the collection would go up for auction. And finally that day went out and the notice came and people who loved art came from all over the world. The auctioneer came to the podium and wrapped his gavel and said the auction is called to order. There are two conditions to today's sale. The first condition is this. This portrait painted by an unknown, uncelebrated artist of the benefactor's son has to be sold first. Can I get an opening bid? Would anyone bid $1,000? Nothing. $500? Nothing. And finally, way in the back of the room, a voice said, Sir, could I bid $9.80 for that picture? He kept trying to raise the bid, and the bid wouldn't go. And finally, he said, Sold 
to that young man as he walked down the aisle to pay his fee and pick up the portrait. The auctioneer said the second condition today's sale is whoever gets this son gets it all. If you get this son that the Bible says he that hath him hath life, you get it all. I set before you this day life and death. Choose life. We're going to stand. Your pastor's going to come. Musicians are coming. I invite you this morning. If you don't know him, the pearl of great price is one breath away. And I want to tell I'm going to promise you something. No one's going to come to you and plead with you or beg with you. But if you take one step this way this morning to offer your heart and soul to Christ, you'll never take another step alone. The Holy Spirit will walk the rest of the way with you. So I invite you to come today. Make him your life. May God bless you in making that decision. Father, thank you this day for the privilege to be able to hear, be here today to share these brief thoughts. But I pray, Father, you'd penetrate the heart and soul of every person present. And if there are any present who do not know him today, let them not leave until they do so. Guide us to this end. Christ receive the glory is our prayer in his name. Amen.
If I don't meet you again here, you look for me on the way home in the air. That's how sure I am. Because he gives us that assurance. And if you don't know him that well, you need to go and reconnect. Because it's a certainty. It's not a hope so. It's not a guess. It's a guarantee. Jesus said, Whosoever believeth in me shall never die. I've set before you life. Choose life. I will not be able to go eat with you today, but I enjoy your fellowship. Thank you for your loyalty and coming to embrace me this day. I hope you haven't been disappointed. God bless you. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We thank you today that just like that beggar in Luke chapter number 16, named Lazarus, that Father, everything this life has to offer really doesn't matter as long as we've got the most important thing. Lazarus had it. God, I pray that before this day's over, everyone under the sound of my voice would have it too. We thank you for that gift of salvation that was purchased on Calvary's tree. God, I pray that today you would strengthen your people. That that story, that we'd not be ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God unto salvation and we'd share it everywhere we go. That until Jesus returns or you call us home through the grave, God, we'd continue to see lives changed and your son glorified when men, women, boys, and girls respond to the gospel. I thank you today for this people here at Zion Baptist Church. I thank you for the privilege and the honor you've given me to be called their pastor. God, I pray that, Father, we'd continue to honor you 
in and through the people of Zion Baptist Church. We thank you for this dear man of God that opened up his heart and shared with us today what thus saith the Lord. God, I pray that you'd bless him and Miss Sandra. Father, I pray that you'd continue to use them for your glory. God bless his children, his grandchildren. Father, meet all of their needs, we pray, spiritually, physically, financially. And then God help him to understand and know that everything's going to be okay because you told us it would. We love you today, Lord. We thank you, oh, how our hearts have been touched. Help us to continue to worship you. And fathers, we leave this place and go to partake of this food together. Fellowship with each other. God, we pray that you'd bless this food. We thank you, Lord, for it. Thank you for those that prepared it and brought it. Those that have worked to get everything in place out there at the fellowship hall. God, may it nourish our bodies. And then, Father, we ask you that you would help us to use our bodies to bring you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you, wait just one second, if you will. Brother Ralph is going to be up here. If you want to come by and speak to him, listen, there's plenty of food out there, so it doesn't matter if you're first, in the middle, or last. You're still going to get some food, I promise. So if anybody wants to come up and speak to him, uh, you come on. Then we're going to go out to the fellowship hall. You'll go to the far door, go in the door, and there'll be a line of food around there. There'll be so much that you won't be able to eat at all. Thank you, and God bless you, and you come back and be with us again, especially if you don't have a church home. Amen.